Hi, and welcome to DaVita Leadership Insights, a weekly podcast for DaVita teammates who want to become a better leader, both personally and professionally. I am Doug Miller, a master coach and DaVita University faculty member. And I'm Grace Berman, a senior director with DaVita University. Today, we get to chat about leading past your comfort zone with Joel Ackerman, DaVita's chief financial officer. Welcome, Joel. Well, thank you. It is, uh, it's fun to be here. I'm awesome. looking forward to this. Excellent. So are we. I, I'm thrilled to have you on the show today. It's been fun getting to know you as we work together on creating a special place for your team in the village called Team Apollo. Exactly. Well, and, and I know that I've been bugging you to come on the podcast for months, so I'm glad you finally said yes. I I said yes pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> After a little bit of setup pressure, I would say that it, it worked pretty fair, effectively. Fair enough. Okay, fair again. enough. Both both you and Doug have done so much in my uh, in my journey here in creating a special place for Team Apollo. It's the least I can do to to give back a little. Aww. Thank you. Yeah, that's Thanks. nice. I didn't see that that compliment coming. That's I so didn't sweet. Either. Thank you, Joel. Well, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you on this very cool topic of leading past your comfort zone. And before we talk about what's past your comfort zone, let's hear a bit on what you consider to be in your comfort zone. So how would you characterize what's in your comfort zone? You know, it's funny. I think about when I was at Academy and, um, you know, I don't come from this big company background, so I haven't done all these fancy personality profilings. I've never done the Briggs-Meyer test before. And I... I Briggs-Meyer, Myers-Briggs. Meyer, whatever. You, you guys in your fancy test. I'm just a humble guy from, uh, from the East Coast. Um, so, you know, we, they measure everyone around four dimensions. I don't remember all of them exactly. And I remember Dave Herman getting up there and talking about you know, there are 20 questions. You might get 12 on one side, eight on the other side. Most people have a little bit of a mix of each. And what struck me about these tests is three out of four of them, I was 20 questions on one side, zero on the other. And, wow. and it was yeah. kind of a little bit of an aha moment of, I always knew I was kind of a little bit, you know, far from the median, but never realized how extreme I was. And And it was really around two dimensions there. One was the introvert-extrovert scale. I am just an extreme introvert. And if anyone doesn't believe me, I'll give you my wife's email. You can <laughs> confirm it with her. Um, and the second was around the the kind of analytic versus emotional thing. Again, I'm, I'm just a super analytic individual. And I'd say those two things are really um, a good way. If you had to draw a box or, or a circle around what my comfort zone is. I'm, I'm kind of, it's the introversion combined with the, the analytic mindset that really shows that's kind of where my comfort zone is. That's where I draw my energy from. That's how I approach problems. It's the, it's the lens or the framework through which I analyze things. Yeah, it's, it's part of a concept that we have here, and we teach a lot inside of our DVU, DaVita University programs around comfort zone. And uh, it's an interesting thing if you were to drop a circle in the middle of a piece of paper and all those things you're talking about, spreadsheets and numbers and everything are inside that comfort zone. One of the things that we ask our teammates to do is to stretch outside of that 
and create, uh, and we ask them to go 10%, not very far. Of course, that's going to be different for everybody, but, and that is into what uh, we affectionately call your learning zone, out of your comfort zone into your learning zone, because not much is going to change if you just hang out over time in your comfort zone. Right, right. Yeah, and to, to kind of go back to helping us understand what was in your inner circle there, your comfort zone, uh, because I know you've said to me that your comfort zone is spreadsheets. Like you just need to, after <laughs> after having a group, group activity, you need to just go home and just stare at some spreadsheets. It's- right. Well, look, I think, I, I think it'll, uh, of it along two dimensions. One is what you're capable of doing and what you're... Uh, what you're good at, and then there's the question of what, where you derive your energy from. So I love working with people. I love working with my team. I love helping them grow, helping them achieve their goals, um, both as one-on-one as well as for the broader team. But it it can be something that that takes a lot of my energy, mm. and and I do have that experience you have of like saying, oh, let me. Let me go look at a column of numbers and feeling like, <laughs> oh, it's nice to get the battery recharged. So you said getting recharged. How did you figure out what really gets you recharged? You know, I think it's it just obvious. It's it's always been like this. I've been, you know, I was a math science guy when I was a kid growing up. I did fine in the other subjects, but it was clear what I enjoyed more. And then the biggest, you know, the most substantive part of my career has been 15 years on Wall Street, and it was a, a very numbers, analytic, spreadsheet job, both in terms of what, what you did day to day as well as how you measured people. And I worked in, a, in an environment where culture wasn't really a thing that people talked about. You didn't get extensive coaching or year-end reviews. I remember my year-end review was, was my boss walking into my office standing in the doorway and saying, you know, today's the Christmas party. Let me give you your numbers. Let's talk about this some other time. And we never talked about it another some other time. time. So, um, so that's kind of where I grew up. I was, mm-hmm. I was to some extent in my comfort zone there and coming to the Vita has been a, a great experience for me because it's gotten me out of there and gotten me into that, that learning zone. Awesome. Sure. Do you, would you mind sharing an example of a time that you've stretched out of your comfort zone into that learning zone? Sure. So I'd say the, the, the big category of, of the stretching for me has been around the DeVita culture. And I, I remember actually even before, before I joined DeVita, even before I got the offer of the job here, I got a, uh, a tour of, of the CASA and I had known a bit about the culture, but it, it never really hit me in the face till I got the tour here and really saw it. Uh, in person, and I remember thinking, "Holy mackerel, am, am I up for this?" Yeah. You know, I, I lead a big team, and you know, all the mission and values, and some of the touchy-feely parts of the culture. How am I going to do with that? And so that's kind of the big theme. I, it's it's you know, it's played out in many different ways at many different meetings. Whether it's leading cheers, whether it's um, leading the create a special place team, whether it's you know doing videos where Grace is telling me, Joel, you're not smiling enough. (laughs) Um, That's why I was excited about the podcast. No one can tell if I'm smiling or not. You are smiling. I will just say for the record, you are currently smiling. So 
You know, it's it's funny. I'm not sure Grace when, is right about that. I think I think that when you were on that tour, you visited a class I was facilitating, and there was one of our leaders in the front of the room that actually was uh, telling a really emotional story, and uh, and was you know got emotional in front of the room. All of these directors and vice presidents. Is that? Is, am I remembering that correctly? I was there, and the speaker did get emotional. And it was actually an interesting experience for me. The speaker got emotional. I had actually seen that ex- speaker get emotional three different times in that one visit. Wow. And the speaker turned to me in front of that room and to some extent apologized for, for getting emotional again, I think with some to some extent thinking, what's this new unemotional CFO going to think of me. <laughs> and what I loved what I loved about the experience and I it's probably, you know, just thinking about it now, it's one of the ways that I realized how wonderful the culture is and mm. maybe a little out of my comfort zone, but something that I can really appreciate and learn from is it wasn't it wasn't the speaker getting emotional that was notable for me. It was that the speaker apologized to me and then someone significantly below that speaker in the the hierarchy of DeVita called the speaker out in an email to me and the speaker saying, I think it's kind of inappropriate for you to apologize for getting emotional <laughs> in front of the room. What's wrong with getting emotional? Yeah. And uh, I love the fact that that it was it was an open topic of conversation, the emotions, and I love the fact of the the hierarchy busting of this person kind of calling out this emotional person who's a pretty senior guy in the village uh, and saying, you know, that that's not a good thing to apologize for. So mm. that was pretty cool. Mm. That's awesome. Well, I, that's interesting kind of how it was outside of your comfort zone and yet you you kind of uh, were curious about it and, and, and open to it. So let's let's talk about, can you think of how it felt for you as you were exposed to sort of this different way of operating in a business and and um, knowing that this was outside of your your traditional, let's say, inner circle comfort zone, what were you, how did you notice when things were, were outside of your comfort zone? How was that showing up for you in terms of in your body, like in your, your feelings? How did you know you were getting outside your comfort zone? Yeah. So one, for me, one great great determinant of what's outside my comfort zone is my my procrastination. I'm a world, world-class procrastinator <laughs> when I want to be. Um, and when my procrastination kicks in, there's a good chance it's either something that I'm just super not interested in doing or something that's out of my comfort zone. Mm. So it's kind of this avoid, yeah, more of an avoid exactly, thing. Exactly. So that's probably it. I'd say if I had to add to that, just getting nervous. I'm, I'm generally not a nervous person, but when I have to do something, public speaking is a good example. I, I would get nervous and, and I could just, I could feel my, my heart beating a little bit faster. Mm. Um, and then over preparation would be another mm. good sign for me of out of my comfort zone is where I'm just, you know, it's a, it's a B level importance issue and I'm giving it A plus prep. It's just, it's not a good use of my time, but it's probably a reflection of the fact that I'm not feeling comfortable about it. 
So where does this podcast land in terms of your comfort zone? <laughs> Great question, Grace. That is a good question. Yeah. Um, I'd say it's it's probably in my comfort zone because, one, I knew the question in advance in case anyone <laughs> thinks this is like super impromptu. It's like, wow, he's so thoughtful. Joel, um, these are secrets <laughs> we trusted you with. You're giving it'll be, away. It'll be interesting to see if you guys cut this out of the final uh, version. <laughs> um, so that I always prefer doing Q and A and impromptu conversations than public speaking. Public speaking, I always I'm always nervous. I'm gonna, you know, forget the big point or whatever. So that this is uh, this is fine within my comfort zone. I I wouldn't consider this uh, outside my comfort zone. How about a story of a time when, you know, it was outside your comfort zone and you actually allowed that to hold you back and, uh, and you did not engage and tell us about that. And what do you think the cost was? Yeah. So I I would say the, the biggest theme around that is maybe around feedback and, Mm. and individual teammates I'm working with. And these could be folks who report directly to me. Also, I, I mentor a bunch of different teammates. And, you know, Ken has this phrase of the gift of, of feedback. And, you and know, that's Kent, Kent Theory. Kent Theory, right. And, and I've, I've gotten that gift sometimes. It's, you know, sometimes feels a little bit like the lump of coal. Um, but, but overall, he's, he's absolutely right. It is, you know, for someone like me, I, I enjoy growing in my career and learning new things and learning new skills and getting out of my comfort zone and, and giving, giving a teammate or a loved one or, a, a, you know, a, whoever, a child, a colleague, some constructive feedback can be so valuable because, you know, a lot of us live in the bubble where everyone's just telling us how great we are and, you know, wow, that was an amazing presentation. And you hear that a million times, no matter how lousy your presentation was. So the gift of good feedback is really valuable, but it can be challenging. It can it takes a lot of prep. It can be in the moment very, very uncomfortable to tell someone that they're not doing something well than something that everyone else knows and, and they don't. So I would say there are certainly times where I have let my um, the constraints of my comfort zone prevent me from giving some feedback to folks where I think it would have been a great gift to them um, and a gift to the village and to their families and whoever else, but, uh, but for because of my limitations in my comfort zone, I chose not to go there. Hmm. So we, we've talked about how you've led past your comfort zone and the times that maybe you didn't push yourself. I'd love to pivot now to learn how, as a leader, you've coached others to step outside of their comfort zones. Sure. So I'd say a a common theme where I see this with with folks who work either directly for me or or other teammates who I mentor within the village is around work-life balance. And, And I'm thinking of a a specific example with with one teammate, but I think it's very generalizable, where teammate came to me with with a real concern around work-life balance and Mm -hmm. how a lot of how he was thinking of his role and the time commitments he had and 
the amount of stuff on his plate was leading to a real fundamental misalignment around work-life balance, and it was creating real challenges. And where the, as, as I thought about it, and I listened to him, and, and we had a number of conversations about it, what, what ultimately I concluded was, while the issues that he raised were real around workload and all that other stuff, fundamentally, I did not think that was at the core of the problem. Mm-hmm. And what at the core of the problem was how he was choosing to... Um, how he that he wasn't he wasn't fundamentally defining the problem correctly, and really it was not about workload; it was about um, comfort zone. Mm. And there was a lot he could do to change how he worked, to change how he interacted, to change how he responded to people. At that that was outside his comfort zone, frankly, in terms of how he perceived himself, how he perceived the value he was adding, and. Once he, um, once we together redefined the problem, it led to a path that I think ultimately is going to result in a much better outcome for him. I've already seen progress on this. He's already seen progress on this. And it was really about getting outside his comfort zone and doing things that he historically might not have been comfortable doing, but were well within the bounds of, of his role and... Um, and the way the village wants its citizens to behave. So I'd say that's a good example. I I think it's really interesting and um, how our comfort zones so quickly can convince us that they're legitimate. That they're there, that that they are there, and and then when we really interrogate them, we find out no, that's just our comfort zone trying to hold us back or or keep us comfortable and not try something different or do something different. Yeah, and I I love, too, a couple of points that you made in the story. One is that if he recognized that the problem was it's actually a comfort zone problem and not uh, like anything beyond that, then he actually has the ability to control that. And he has the, right? 100%. And look, I'd say if you want to be very specific about, uh, very tangible about this, you think about managing up. And, you know, if, if my boss comes to me and says... You know, we got this problem. Do you have time this weekend to spend a couple hours on the phone? The the onus is on me to own my work-life balance and my own comfort zone to be able to say to my boss, yeah, I can't. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I I have made this commitment to my wife. I've made this commitment to my kids, to Mm -hmm. to the nonprofit I work with. I cannot do that. And and that should be well within everyone's comfort zone to be able to manage that, manage up, th- integrate all the challenges. It doesn't mean you say no to everything your boss asks. That's probably not a good uh, <laughs> comfort zone to be in either. Yeah, how would that work out for you? <laughs> yeah, not, not as good. Um, so um, so that that's kind of, uh, I'd say, a very tangible example mm. of, of getting in a comfort zone about managing up. It, it mm-hmm, kind of relates mm-hmm. to the example I gave before of managing down, of being in the comfort zone, of being able to tell folks, here's some feedback that you might not want to hear this moment, but ultimately is good for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of the, we have these, uh, identified these specific um, dynamics that can take away your capacity. And one of them is doing the work of of others. Um, and 
how uncomfortable when I've been coaching some leaders, how uncomfortable they are actually letting people do their jobs because they are not going to do it as well as um, the leader could sometimes and how that discomfort can play into not actually delegating and not actually letting people do their work. Well, I think we're at that time in the episode and we ask and end all of our episodes by asking our guests to share one tip. So Joel, what would be your one piece of advice to give our listeners to try right away to lead past their comfort zones? Tell your boss no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We'll make sure to send this to Javier. Yeah. Okay. Um, No, seriously, uh, one tip. I, I, I would, I would, I guess I like this idea I came up with. I like a lot of my own ideas. Um, of look, think, look at look at the top three issues you're dealing with in your life right mm. now. Make the list, um, and then and then try and think about them through the lens of comfort zone and see which of these problems are really fundamental problems that are structurally part of your job, your family situation, your whatever, and how, which of these, maybe if you could shift your comfort zone, if you could do what, what Doug recommended and move out 10% into your learning zone, maybe you could make some real progress on one of these issues. Mm, I love that tip. Thanks well, so much, Joel. Thanks for being here. Thank you very much. That was a fun chat with Joel. Sure was. Loved his tip at the end. Think about the top three issues you're dealing with in your life right now. And which of these could be positively impacted by moving 10% out of your comfort zone into that learning zone? Completely agree, Doug. And speaking of tips, it's my turn to follow up on the tip from our last episode with Katie Swansea on how to increase your executive presence and inspire confidence. Her tip was to figure out what it's going to take for you to find your voice in the room. So I reflected yeah. and and determined that it's going to take a couple of things for me. And before I share what those are, I just wanted to say it's interesting for the work that we do, Doug, that we are in front of people and in front of the room a lot facilitating and speaking publicly. And I think sometimes people feel as though that's a very natural thing and that inspiring confidence or having that executive presence, being able to stand up in a room with people who could be a lot more senior than us is not intimidating. And I have to say that it definitely still is very intimidating for me. Yeah, I don't know about you. In, in fact, we have actually interviewed some people that have intimidated me on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of intimidation and, and, and you know executive what? Like, presence. Just talking about that is making my heartbeat really is fast. It? And now I'm starting to um, get short of breath. So, <laughs> uh, so I there have been times where I get so anxious before I stand up in front of a room that I literally cannot breathe or speak because wow. my heart is racing so fast. And so... And that still happens for me sometimes before I go up. And so what I do to think about executive presence and, and inspiring confidence, because it's hard to inspire confidence when your voice is shaking. Right. And so what I do is are two things that work for me. One is that I have to breathe really deeply and get my like breath in a normal rhythm, my heart rate down. And then the second piece is I just got to get rid of that negative self-talk because I'll, I'll be in my head and I'll say... I'll say something that will make me very uh, nervous right. and insecure. And when I've been able to put that aside, it's been I've been able to show up a lot better, a lot more confident, and I'm able to inspire confidence more when I'm in that zone. So 
those are the two ways that I've applied Katie's tip. That's awesome. It reminds me of a really corny thing I used to do. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So when I was, like, really nervous, I would call my wife and I would say, hey, honey, tell me how great I am. Oh, that's so sweet. Isn't that awesome? That is really sweet. Now, was Jennifer on board? Did she she always know the right thing to say? Yeah, she was totally on board. She was a little bit, you know, I I would tell her I was going to do this. It wasn't like I just called her one day and said that out of the blue. She knew that I was going into something that was intense for me. Can I call Jennifer before I go on stage? You know, (laughs) she is a singer and... She's actually gotten a phone call once, like, would you sing for me over the phone? Super sweet. Super sweet. This woman was, yeah. At any rate, that was a little, that was on track. I was going to say that was a little (laughs) off track. So, all right. So thank you for sharing that, Grace, and listening to my sharing. I appreciate that as well. (laughs) Always. And for our listeners, we want to hear your stories and your tips. So check out our show notes and click on that listener mail link to find out more about submitting your stories and tips in writing or through a voice message. And if you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please click on the subscribe button so that you don't miss any more of our episodes. Yes. And last thing for our listeners, Doug, Mm -hmm. if you enjoy these podcasts, please rate us on iTunes or click on the survey link in our show notes so that we know how we're doing. See you next week. One for all. All for one.